And in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse, I'm going to do chapter 2, chapter 4, scripture in chapter 5, I believe. In Acts chapter 2, verse number 47, well, I'll read it for scripture's sake, 46. And day by day, standing, attending, excuse me, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they partook of food with glad and generous hearts. Uh, now, this translation is probably RSV, so if it reads a little different in yours, that's okay. Amen. Um, they partook of food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 2, verse 1 and 2. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Verse 33, I believe it is. And it reads, And with great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Amen. I want to use for the topic today. Let's grow. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, let's grow. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word, when it goes forth, will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire I thank you, Lord, that you prosper your word in the things that you've sent your word to. Thank you for sending this word to us today. And thank you, Lord, for what this word is going to accomplish in our lives. Father, I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit. Arrest my heart and my mind and my words to God and my emotions, Lord, that I may yield completely to you and speak as you want this message spoken. Father, I pray for every heart, every mind, every spirit here that's assembled in worship, that our hearts, our minds, spirits will be open to you. I pray that we will hear what you have to say to us today. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Let's grow. Amen. Amen. Say to the person sitting next to you, let's grow. One of the things that's been in my spirit um, since the Lord has given me this, this theme for this year is that a healthy church is a, a growing church. Amen. Now, there are things that have to be worked on in the process. Amen. But part of being healthy is that you grow, that you're not stunted uh, in, in that growth process. Now, in general, the body of Christ is healthy. Amen. Because Christ is healthy. Amen? Um, but in particular, there are certain important principles 
that we need to begin to embrace, that we need to latch on to and embrace uh, in our lives in order for us to grow individually because we are the church and then we make up the corporate body. Amen? Sometimes our focus can be a little off, all right? Um, and Satan will use that, that, that fuzziness, that lack of focus to keep us from qualitative and quantitative growth. The Lord wants both. He doesn't want us to just grow in quality. He wants us to grow in quantity. Amen? You know the difference, right? Yeah, he, he, yeah, he wants you to mature in him. He wants you to be his disciple. Uh, you know, and that, that's one of the things that, that, that's been stirring in me and, and the reason that I said what I said earlier and the reason I'm going to push you harder. Uh, I shouldn't have to push you harder, but I do have to push you harder uh, because we need to grow in quality. Amen. Um, but we also need to grow in quantity. Yeah, we need to grow in quantity. There needs to be more of us. Amen. Not just even in tabernacle of praise, but there needs to be more in the body of Christ. Yeah, and more people need to be getting saved. Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when we look at, when we look at both of these, but in particular when we look at quantitative growth, uh, it's not God's fault that, that the numbers are not what they should be. Yeah, it's our fault. Amen. So it's time for us to recognize the hand of the enemy so that we can overcome his traps and walk in the anointing and grace of God. Amen. For victory and exponential growth in our lives and in our fellowship as a corporate body. Now, with that being said, the Lord has been dealing with me more about the early church what she embraced, how she believed, and how she grew. Amen. Today, we're going to look at some of those things. We're going to talk about a few of those things today um, because the Lord still wants his house filled. You look at the early church, one occasion, 5,000 people, 3,000 people, 5,000 people filled. And the Bible says the Lord added to the church daily. Somebody say Daily those who were being saved. Amen. So on a daily basis, I don't know what y'all talking about, but I think y'all need to listen. You know, that's, that's part of our problem. You can't talk and listen to me at the same time. Amen. Amen. So don't, 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 don't frustrate, frustrate me today. This is not today. <laughs> Pray for your pastor. Amen. I asked the Lord already, Lord, don't let me strike the rock. Let me settle down. I don't know why I'm feeling like this today, but I'm feeling that today. Amen. 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 In Luke chapter 14, verse 23, uh, Jesus said this as he told this parable about the man who had prepared this big wedding feast and sent people out to get those who had invited to come, and everybody had an excuse. You know about excuses. Yeah. You have an excuse on Sunday morning as to why you can't get here at 9 o'clock. Yeah. 
you do. You have an excuse on Wednesday night. Some people's excuses are legitimate, and some people's excuses are not legitimate. You just decide, I'm not going. And, but you say you are a disciple of the Lord, and yet you can decide, Lord help me, that, that I'm not going. Yeah. But when you read this passage of Scripture, Jesus, in, in the parable, uh, he said, And the Lord said unto his servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. Amen. So, so it's the Lord's desire that every seat in this place and every seat in every church, every sanctuary that calls themselves or calls ourselves a Christian church, that every seat is filled. Every seat. Somebody, thank you for saying every seat because that's what I was going to ask you to say. Every seat. Every seat. Every seat. So there are some things that the, that the early corporate body caught and did that made a difference when it came to the growth of the church. So I was meditating on when to teach this because I was thinking, Lord, maybe I should just teach this to the ministers and to the elders and ministers as we work on some evangelism strategies for, for this year. Uh, but the Lord said, no, the whole church needs to hear this. The whole church need to, 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 needs to, to hear this. Uh, there are some things that, that we need to come together on as a corporate body. And this is one of them. This church can grow. This church is positioned to grow. Yeah. This church must grow. Amen. Somebody shout, let's grow. All right. Yeah. We can do it. We can do it. I, I can't do it by myself. I say this sometimes to people when we talk about certain things. I say sometimes it's, it seems like that if I don't step out front and do it, it doesn't get done. And it never should be that way. If you are assigned to something, then you ought to do it without me having to say, come on, let's. Yeah. yeah. Say, let's grow. So I want us to see something about the church. I want to see something that's about the early church that's, that, that, that's quite significant. We know that the church was birthed by the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The apostles and the others had been with Jesus. They believed in Jesus. They, 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 they had seen him. They had walked with him. They saw him crucified. They, they saw him buried, and they saw him in his resurrected body. They ate with him and touched him after he was raised from the dead. We know that this is not a myth. We know that this is the truth. It is recorded in history that Jesus was raised from the dead. These disciples obeyed the Lord's command, all right? They obeyed him to go back to Jerusalem and to wait for the promise of the Father. And we know that on the day of Pentecost, as they were praying and as they were waiting, the Holy Spirit came in as a strong and a powerful wind and filled the entire place where they were sitting. And he appeared to them as tongues of fire and lit upon each one of them. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God took this 120 people that were gathered in the upper room and transformed them into a powerful force for his kingdom. 120. In a matter of days, grew to 3,120. In a matter of days, grew to 8,120. In a matter of days. A matter of days. Now, now most of us, most of us in here, most of us believe in the finished work of Christ on Calvary. Amen? We believe that, 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 that he was not only crucified, but that God raised him from the dead. On the third day, as the scripture says, most of us in here, most of us in here are spirit-filled Christians. We might need a fresh infilling, and that's okay, because the Bible says be, be infilled with the Holy Spirit. We might need a freshen right now. Whew. Amen. Right now. Amen. And if you're not filled, you can get filled. I mean, there is no reason that you can't. I was ministering last week in, in Seattle, and a young man came up to me after service, and he said, Bishop, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I said, no, he said, he said how, do you, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? I said, just ask. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says if you've been evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit for those who ask? I said, all you got to do is ask. And I started praying for him, and in a, in a matter of seconds, he started speaking in other tongues because he asked. He asked. Now, his heart was prepared to receive, and so when he asked, he received. That's the way God works. This is not a difficult process, but your heart has to be right. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what's the difference in the early believers and us? What's the difference? What is it that, that is wrapped up in these scriptures that gives us a key to church growth? Well, this is what the Lord showed me, all right? Several things that I'm going to be done, all right? It's not going to be that quick now. I'll just let you know. Just by me saying that several things that I'm going to be done doesn't mean bop, 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 and we're going home. No, no, no. It's not that quick, all right? All right. But several things I want to show you, all right? First of all, and we just finished singing this, all right? Jesus was the center of their lives. He was the center of their message. He was the center of their ministry. Jesus. That's what they preached. We read it last week. We read it again today in Acts chapter 2. Amen. And I wrote down here verse 21. It said, it shall, it shall be that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And 22 says, men of Israel, hear these words. What's the next word? Are y'all with me? Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. 31 said he saw and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. 32 says this Jesus God raised up. Jesus was their message. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Acts chapter 3, verse 6 says, But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Jesus was their message. Jesus was the center of their lives. They, they preached Jesus. Acts chapter 3, verse, verse number 13. Verse number 13 says, The God of Abraham and Isaac and, the, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant who? Jesus. Amen? 
Amen. Verse 20. Jump down to verse 20. And it says here, and that he might send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for establishing all that God has spoke by the mouths of his holy prophets from of old. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. And when you go over to chapter 4, verse 2, it says again, annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming who? Jesus. That's what they were doing. Jesus was the center. Verse 33 says that they, could, they were teaching in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. They were not only learning, okay, about Jesus, but they were serving Jesus. It was about Jesus Christ. He was the center. Their lives were so consumed with Jesus and that work was so consumed with Jesus that God honored everything that they did. What is your life consumed with? That's what we have to ask ourselves the question today. <coughs> Excuse me. What is our lives consumed with? What do you give most of your thoughts to day by day? Is it Jesus? You see, some people only think about Jesus when they come to church. And some people think about Jesus when they get up in the morning. But throughout the day, do you meditate on Jesus and whatever you're doing? Do you see Christ moving in the, in, in the atmosphere? Do you, do you see him in the birds? Do you see him in the creation? Do, do you see Christ in people, you know? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He was the center. He was the center. They were learning. They were learning of him. Amen? Amen. So they continued in the teaching. In, 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 the, in the second chapter, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I told you that was the teaching of Jesus. Okay? They preached Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, buried and raised from the dead. They taught Jesus to the people in the synagogues and from house to house. For them, it was Jesus all the way. Today, people don't want you talking too much about Jesus. No, no, no. You get to talking to folks sometimes in the house. Talk about your family members. You start talking to them about Jesus. Now, I don't want to hear that today. Y'all know it's the truth. You've heard it. You probably said it. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Amen. Amen. So, so their love for Jesus and their commitment to Jesus opened the way for the Holy Spirit to form Christ in them and consequently to transform their lives to be like Jesus. And once their lives are transformed to be like Jesus, what is Jesus' heart? He came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's his whole purpose. That's his whole purpose. That's his whole purpose. Hmm. Now let, let me say that part of the problems we get into is that our purpose is not about Jesus. For anybody in here who's not married and you're dating, let your purpose be on Jesus, not that person you're dating. Okay? 
Why do you say that, Bishop? Because once you get your eyes off of Jesus, you open the door for the devil to bring somebody in who doesn't love Jesus. You open the door for the devil to get you engaged in stuff that doesn't honor Jesus. And then you start justifying yourself as to why you're doing what you're doing and acting the way you're acting. And then you find yourself in compromise because you didn't keep your eyes on Jesus. Doesn't have to be dating. You get your job. Keep your eye on Jesus. It has to be Jesus on your job because if you're not careful, yeah, 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 you 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 get you get off track. You, you you know you get caught up in this thing about upward mobility, and if you're not careful, you'll start compromising what you know right is just so you can go forward. It can happen in the church, you know. I I, I see people and. You know, I'm just me, you know, and, I, and I'm not judging anybody. But I just see people, and you know, you see people, and you say, mm. they're always trying to be up in somebody's, somebody's face that's important. Just, just be you. You know, just focus on Jesus. Promotion doesn't come from the east nor the west. Promotion comes from God. You can, you can rub noses with whoever you want to rub noses with, but you'll get promoted for the wrong reason. you end up compromising because you're trying to go somewhere. You're trying to get something. And as, it's, as insensitive as this might sound, okay, Lord, I don't want to be insensitive, but as insensitive as this might sound, all of this stuff in Hollywood about sexual harassment we know it didn't start yesterday. When I was younger and people wanted to be movie stars, one of the things, I, and I'd never been to Hollywood, I'd always say, you have to be careful when you start going certain places and doing certain things because sometimes there are prices that you have to pay to get what you want. Now, that was a, Lord have mercy. Well, I ain't going to say it because I didn't see it. All right. Anyway. But sometimes people, people have to do stuff. Or they feel like they have to do stuff to, to, to get where they think they need to be. And all of the things that they do that honor God. They get their eyes off of Christ. And once you take your eyes off of Christ and, and you start compromising, you find yourself going further and further and further backwards. And I, now, if I keep going backwards, what's going to fall into, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to fall into this pool. And so people fall into a pit because they take their eyes off of Christ and sometimes they don't know how to get out of the pit. Sometimes they hurt themselves when they fall because they take their eyes off of Jesus. Mm. Yeah. So the early church, Christ was their center. They didn't just talk about Christ, all right? They didn't just get together and sing about Christ and, and run around the room and jump and holler like they were doing calisthenics. And then when the service was over, they forgot all about what they were doing. And went back to gossiping and fornicating and lying and cheating and acting like the world. 
Jesus was their center. Because he was their center, when they went into the synagogues, when they went into the marketplace, and they witnessed about Jesus, he gave them favor with all of the people. Isn't that what the Bible says? Because they kept Jesus as a center. Individuals, rich and poor, were being saved. Families were being transformed. Even in the midst of persecution, y'all listen closely now. Yeah, that's right, because I'm in the right place to see everything. Listen close. Even in the midst of persecution, in the midst of of, 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 of a losing jobs and, and losing homes and, and sometimes being separated from family, people were still being saved. People were so transformed by the power of, of the Holy Spirit and His love poured out in their hearts that they took care of others' needs. They sold their possessions to make sure that everybody who had a need, that their needs were met. The Bible says they had all things in common. Now, I'm not advocating that, that we sell everything and have all things in common, but I'm just trying to give you a picture of what happened because of Jesus. What happened, how their lives were transformed because of Christ. The love of God that was poured out in their hearts by the Holy Spirit and their commitment to the Lord and his mission. You can't be committed to Christ and not be committed to his mission. It made it possible for God to do these great things in them. And even in their prayers, somebody said even in their prayers. I want you to look at chapter 4. Let me find this thing because in chapter 4, Peter had been, they had been in prison, Peter and John, for, 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 for this man uh, being healed. And so they went before the Sanhedrin. In verse 23, it says, when they were released, they went to their friends. They went back to the church and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to the God and said, look at what they said, Sovereign Lord, who didst make the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who by the mouth of our father David, thy servant, did say by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage, heathens rage, and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth set themselves in array, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against thy holy servant Jesus, whom thou didst anoint, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever their hands and thy and thy plan had predestined to take place. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to us, thy servants, to speak thy words with all boldness. While they stretch out, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Amen. That's the end of the prayer. And it says, when they finish praying, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they, all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. So in their prayers, 
It was about Jesus and his mission. It was not about them. This was a prayer that was born out of witness and service for the Lord Jesus. Peter and John had been out in the trenches. They had been out on the field. They had been preaching. They had, been, they, they, they had performed the healing. That the Lord had used them for this man to be healed. And they were explaining about Jesus. And they were arrested. When they were released, they came back to the church. And the church came together to pray. They didn't pray for Peter and John to be encouraged. They prayed in order to defeat the enemy. The attacks had begun. Listen to me carefully. You'll get this in a minute. The attacks had begun. Danger was manifesting, but they didn't turn and they didn't run. They gathered with urgency. Worked hard to get them together. They gathered with urgency and they prayed. Today, there's not a sense of urgency in the church. There's not a sense of urgency. Y'all weren't urgent. Most of y'all weren't urgent about getting to church this morning. Most people came because it was the right thing to do. Urgency means you get up in the morning and you start getting ready. Urgency. I was urgent. On Sunday morning, I'm urgent to get to church. So I get up 5.30, 6 o'clock, and my whole morning is focused on getting here on time, even though sometimes I don't make it. Not always my fault. But getting here. Because I'm urgent. There's an urgency about this thing. So if there's an urgency about it, then I act like there's an urgency about it. My daddy wouldn't allow us to iron on Sunday morning. Mom would allow us to sneak it out because daddy said, you know you're going to church tomorrow, so you prepare on Saturday night. Get up on Sunday morning trying to get prepared, and you got up late anyhow. It's an urgency. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Mm. Yeah. We don't get stirred up to pray. I mean, to really pray until somebody about to die. Somebody in our family about to die. We want church to pray for them. I'm not being insensitive. I'm just telling the truth. Somebody lost their job. We want the church to pray. You know, about to lose your home. You want the church to pray. Or you might start praying now. You ain't been praying. Now you're laying before the Lord. Now you're spending time before. But this thing has to be urgent every day. You got to see the need every day because this is not about you. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God that has come under the attack of the enemy. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has suffered violence didn't just start yesterday. We'll talk about people before we'll pray for them. Urgency. Who Lord have mercy. If more people knew the value of a soul, Lord have mercy. 
and cared about people coming to Christ to the point that they were witnessing every day there would be more urgency. What that got to do with what I'm going through? Because what you're going through, you focus on what you're going through, you focus on your desires, you focus on what you want, and you forget about souls. A lost soul is not the thing that you focus on. People don't really care if people go to hell. People don't care. Some of you don't care enough about your own children. You let them do anything without saying anything to them. You don't challenge them. You don't teach them. You don't pray for them. There is no urgency because you don't believe God. You don't believe there's a hell. You don't believe that you can die and go to hell. You think you're under the umbrella of grace and grace is going to cover everything. It's not going to cover your unbelief. Urgency. Because we stop believing. We don't want to live holy because we don't believe that holiness is right or that holiness is necessary. This prayer was a united prayer. It was united. It was a united prayer meeting. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord, the Bible says. They were of one heart and they were of one mind. And God answered. I said, God answered. What did he say? If two or three will come together in my name, touching and agreeing, whatever. You bind on earth, will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth. Two, three. They prayed. Their prayer was solidly based on the word of God. Their prayer was based on Psalm 2. You can go back and read Psalm 2 and compare it here. On the word, they weren't praying, Lord, help us because these people were doing this. Lord, take us out of this. No. They prayed the word. True prayer is not telling God what to do, but asking God to do his will in us and through us. True prayer is God getting his will done on earth as it is in heaven. When's the last time you even prayed the Lord's prayer? Let thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. So these people, they didn't come praying about their circumstances to change. They didn't come praying that their enemies would be defeated or put out of office or put out of their positions. Rather, they asked God to empower them to make the best of their circumstances, the best use of their circumstances, and to accomplish what he had already determined beforehand. Read it. So God has already determined some things beforehand. Now what we need to do is discover what he's already determined 
and get in line with his will. We know he's already determined that people be saved. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the harvest because the wheat fields are, are, are white. They're, they're ready for harvest. They didn't pray about their circumstances. They asked for divine enablement. They didn't pray for escape. They prayed that God would empower them. And God gave them the power that they needed. A man by the name of Philip Brooks said, don't pray for an easy life. Pray to be stronger men and women. Don't pray for tasks equal to your power. Pray for power equal to your task. Hallelujah. That's the way these early Christians prayed. God, give us power because there's souls that need to be saved. God, give us power to confront the enemy. God, give us power to preach in the name of Jesus. They didn't ask for protection. They asked for power. They didn't ask for fire from heaven to destroy the enemy. They asked for power from heaven to preach the word of God, to heal the sick. They saw great desire. Their great desire was for boldness in the face of opposition. They emphasized the hand of God at work in the life of the church and not the hand of man at work with God. Saints of God believe in prayer releases God's power and it enables God's plan or God's hand to move. That's how we need to pray today. Then in this prayer, finally, they wanted Jesus to be glorified. Read it. They wanted Christ to be glorified. They wanted God's servant, Jesus Christ, to be glorified. It was his name that gave them power to preach. It was his name that gave them, gave them power to perform miracles. It was his name alone, hallelujah, that deserved the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. The glory of God, not the needs of men, is the highest purpose of the church and the highest purpose of answer prayer. God's name being glorified. It's not about me, glory to God. It's not about tabernacle of praise. It is not about you. It's about God's name being glorified. The Bible said God, God answered. God shook the place, hallelujah, where they were meeting. Fill the people with the Holy Spirit. Now, this wasn't a second Pentecost because you can't have a second Pentecost just like you can't have a second Calvary. But you can get filled again. So I can get filled again and again and again and again and again. Say, Lord, fill me. Lift your hands and say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh filling. I need change in my life. I need your power so I can do your work. I need your power so I can do your will. I need your power so I can preach the gospel of Jesus. I need your power. I need your power. I need your power. I need your power. Mm -mm. I don't know about you, but I know God still answers prayer. I know there's still power in the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Jesus still has power to save. 
Jesus still has power to heal. Jesus still has power to deliver. We don't need a social gospel. Uh, we don't need to, an, an entertaining gospel. Hallelujah. People are in trouble. People are sick. People need to be healed. People are losing their minds. Marriages are being destroyed. Children are killing children. Babies are having babies. People are mixed up about who they are and how they were created. People have changed the use of their bodies from the attended purpose to serve their own purposes. People are in trouble. People are trying to forget their problems through drug and alcohol use and abuse. They don't know what to do. Social workers can't fix them. Psychiatrists can't fix them. The government can't fix them. Pills can't fix them. But there is a God. There is a King of Kings. There is a Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. He can fix them. The world needs Jesus. And we know Jesus. Or we know about Jesus. We need to tell the world about this Jesus that we serve. But Jesus has to be the center of our lives. He has to be the center of our message. When Jesus is not your center, you don't have the confidence to face opposition. When Jesus is not the center of your life, you don't have the confidence to face the opposition. You wonder why so many Christians just do nothing when it comes to winning souls. Because you don't have confidence. Why don't you have confidence? Because Jesus is not the center of your life. So until Jesus becomes the center I can preach until my tongue hangs out of my mouth, but you will not change. Jesus was the center. He was the center of their lives. He was the center of their message. He was the center of their ministry. He was the center of their prayers. Their concern was that Jesus was glorified, that Jesus' mission was fulfilled. Lastly, because of their faith in Christ, worked out in their fellowship and worship, the Bible says great grace was upon their lives and the church grew. Acts 4 and 33, I read it in your hearing. And with great power, the apostles, the apostles gave testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Now, the Lord wanted me to focus on the great grace. Great power was upon the apostles, but great grace was upon them all. 
This was not simply the apostles' ministry. We only have a record of what the apostles did for the most part. And later on, we get a record of Stephen. And then, then Paul comes along. But he's an apostle. But this was the ministry of every believer. Somebody say every believer. You have to read this with understanding and insight to see that every believer was engaged in this ministry. Great grace was upon, he could have said, great grace was upon all of the apostles. But he didn't say that. He said, great grace was upon them all. Now, reading from, from the beginning, when, the, when they got saved in Acts chapter 2, they, all the believers, not just the apostles, continued daily in the temple worship. Now, don't think of temple as just being this little building right here. All right? When you go back and you study the Jewish temple in, in, first century, in the first century, it was 35 acres. It encompassed 35 acres. So this wasn't just, just a little building where a few people gathered. People went to the temple. For some people, it was like a marketplace. They were at the temple. So the Bible says they continued daily in the temple. What were they doing in the temple? They weren't just worshiping. They were teaching Jesus. Wasn't just the apostles. This was not just the apostles' ministry. It was the ministry of every believer. Are you hearing me? Then the Bible says in Acts 5 and 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. There were only 12 apostles. Could 12 apostles go to every house? This was the, belief, this was the ministry of every believer. See, I have a ministry. I need, to, I need to be developed so I can walk in my ministry. And Bishop can't do it all. There's some work I need to do. I need to stop arguing with the Lord and submit to him and make time in my day so that I can study, pray, and be developed in my walk with the Lord. Because there is work that I must do. Are you hearing? Are you hearing? It was not just the apostles' ministry. It was the ministry of every believer. So they went from house to house. As people were getting saved, there was somebody that they could send and minister to them and disciple them. And they, the houses were open. Come on, let's have, let's have the meeting at my house today. You know, somebody was there to teach from house to house. And the Bible says, great grace, abundant grace was upon them all. The grace of God which abounded toward them in spiritual gifts and, and, and abundant unction and, and rich blessings, crowning them, crowning their labor with success was upon them all. They were successful in what they were doing because the grace of God 
hands upon them all. And one more thing. Great grace was upon them all, not because they asked for it. Great grace was upon them all, not because they prayed, Lord, give me more grace. It was upon them all because they were and they did. What do you mean? There's a verb to be. They were being who they were supposed to be. There's no need for grace if you're not going to do what you're supposed to do. There's no need. There's no need for anointing if you're going to sit on it. There's no need for anointing if all you're going to do is come and minister to folk that come every Sunday that don't want nothing anyhow. Be ever learned and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Excuse me, forgive me for being blunt. So if I'm not telling the truth, then prove it. Great grace was not on them because they prayed, oh, God, I need more grace. I need more grace. Grace was upon them because they were and they did. They were doing the work. The work was a part of who they were. Jesus was the center of their lives. And daily they were talking about Jesus. Daily they were ministering about Christ. Daily they were in the marketplace sharing Jesus. From house to house, daily they were teaching about Jesus. Great grace. You want grace in your life, bring Jesus back in. You want grace in your house, bring Jesus back in. Let him be the center. You want grace on your job, bring Jesus on. In your business, bring Jesus back. Let him be the center. Come on, church. The early church grew. We can grow. But we've got to embrace Christ. He has to be the center of our lives. He has to be the center of our message. He has to be the center of our ministry. Jesus has to be the center of our prayers. We need to stop focusing so much on what we are going through. Lord, have mercy. And focus on power to keep ministering in spite of what you're going through. Hebrew boys didn't say, God, deliver us from the fiery furnace. They said, we're not going to bow. They said, our God will deliver us out of your hand. They didn't ask God to deliver them. They resolved first that they were not going to bow. They weren't standing there trembling. Oh, Lord, they're going to throw us in the fiery furnace. Daniel didn't pray. Lord, deliver me from the lion's den. He just didn't, didn't stop praying. He kept on honoring God. And when he got in the den, God had already moved and closed the lion's mouth.
We need to stop focusing so much on us, what we're going through. Yes, you're going through something, but the Lord sees everything. The Lord knows everything. He saw it before it came your way. He was already working behind the scene. He already had a plan in place. You just didn't see it. But the world has taught us to focus on ourselves. Now we got to focus on God and focus on God's will. That opens the way for the grace of God to be poured out in your lives. We can grow. So let's grow. Let's grow. Let's do what it takes. Let's do what it takes. Let's focus on Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw. You know what? I know we, we lift up Jesus when we come in the sanctuary. I'm not saying all of us don't lift him up during the, during the week, but, but when some of us are doing some of the underhanded and secret stuff we're doing, we ain't lifting up Jesus. Some of us got bad attitudes. We ain't lifting up Jesus. You ain't lifting up Jesus with your bad attitude. Let me close my eyes and preach. You won't say I'm talking about you. I'm looking at you. Mm -mm. Just ain't doing it. And so grace can't fall and rest on us. God, I want your grace. God, I want your grace. That means you have to be the center of my life my message, my ministry. It's not about me, not about what I'm going through. The enemy is not fighting me because he hates me. He's really fighting you. I'm just the one he sees on this side. So Lord, grant me power to continue to preach your gospel to live a life that will glorify you. Grant me power as you open doors to walk through the door in boldness and confidence to say what you want me to say, to bring glory to you. Let's stand to our feet.